What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Peak Performance Principles. This week, I got to interview Justin Sua. He is the head of mental performance for the Tampa Bay Rays in Major League Baseball. He also worked. He's also worked in the major leagues for quite some time. But previously to the Rays, he worked with the Boston Red Sox, as well as the NFL with the Cleveland Browns. He is one of the most genuinely nicest people on the planet. When you listen to this interview. He just exudes positivity, joy. He, he just loves what he does. And I was so grateful to be able to interview him. He's someone that I've been following for a very long time. He also has one of the most successful podcasts. It's called Increase Your Impact. Now, I think the thing that is the biggest claim to fame is that when you Google Justin Sua bio, the very first thing you see is see results for Justin Bieber. So if that doesn't get you to listen to the episode, I have no idea what will. So without further ado, let's get on to with the episode with Justin Sua. All right, everybody, welcome to this special episode of Peak Performance Principles. I've got a special guest on the line. We've got Justin Sua with us. Justin, you there? Yep, I'm here, Christian. Thanks for having me, brother. Awesome. Thank you, my man. So um, I'm super excited to do this interview. I've been following Justin for a very long time. And if you haven't, you've probably lived under a rock. And if you've gotten out of that rock, you need to go follow Justin right now. Um, he is a mental performance coach. He's worked for the NFL, for the MLB, um, currently in Tampa Bay right now. So he's has some incredible insights on how, how to build effective and, and efficient mental systems and processes and techniques for individuals, but also for teams as well. So we're going to get into some, some pretty cool stuff today. So before we get into the fundamental stuff, though, Justin, I want to have a little, like, get-to-know-you type of thing. So we're going to do a lightning round. You ready? Let's rock. All right. So uh, first, what did you want to be when you, when you were a kid? What did you want to be when you grew uh, up? At first, I wanted to be a cowboy, but then a baseball player, professional baseball player. <laughs> cowboy and a baseball player. There we go. <laughs> um, so peanut butter, crunchy or creamy? This is by far the most Creamy. Creamy for me. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah. okay, the, okay, then it can continue. We can continue <laughs> this conversation. If you said crunchy, I'm just going to hang up. <laughs> Um, uh, so you, you played obviously baseball. How, how old were you when you started baseball? Uh, I was young. It, it's early. I can remember, uh, probably three years old is when I had my pick up three first baseball, <laughs> but then from five years old T-ball all the way in through college. So what is your favorite baseball snack? Uh, I was, you know what? I'm going to have to go with, uh, sunflower seeds. And, uh, I like the black pepper, uh, black pepper, uh, spit sunflower seed. That's my, that's my favorite snack. Spits black pepper. Yes. Dude, we are okay. We can definitely continue. <laughs> you said dill, dill pickle again. This isn't going to continue. Well. So, so, so black pepper seeds, yeah. nice. And uh, favorite beverage. Uh, favorite beverage. Okay, this is going to be a little bit weird, but uh, but uh, <laughs> Topo Chico carbonated water. And so it's it's Topo a weird. Chico? It's I've a it's a really it. weird. It's in a lot of the clubhouses in in pro baseball and major league baseball and. I just love it. I absolutely love it. And so, uh, so that's my go-to. There we go. Topo Chico. <laughs> their, their stock just went up. Um, three, three role models in your life. If you had three role models, who would uh, be? My dad is definitely my role model. Uh, both my parents, but I'll count them as one. But, um, but definitely my, my, my dad. 
Um, number two, I'm, my wife, for a personal reason, I mean, she's gone through a lot, a lot of physical ailments, a lot of physical struggles. Uh, her life has completely been changed because of chronic issues. And uh, I, I admire her so much for what she's been able to accomplish and do. And then number three, um, oh, number three is a toss up. There's a lot of different people, but, uh, but probably, um, probably my, my, my grandmother, my mom's mom is a definitely role model of me. Just the, the stuff that she's, she's had to overcome and to kind of pave the way for our family. Uh, those are three, keep them close to the vest, all, all within my family. Yeah, there you go. That's where it belongs. That's awesome. Uh, did you, did your grandma move from, yeah, she came from Mexico, came from Mexico. From yep. Came from, from Mexico. Mexico. And, uh, and that side, and then, I mean, I could have picked my, my other grandparents who came from Samoa and the other side starting from nothing. And so, uh, both of both sets of my wow. grandparents, immigrants, and uh, to yeah, to see what they had to overcome was uh, is admirable. Yeah, same here, man. My my parents immigrated too when I was six years old. Oh wow, so I uh, that's a lot of lot lot of respect for that, man. That's, that's incredible. Great. So um, that's awesome. So did you grow up in is it Cal- yes, California? Yes, born. I'm born and raised in Torrance, right? California. Yeah, so I'm born and raised in my yeah my my dad moved here when he was I believe six from Samoa, and my mom she was born and raised in California. Very cool. Nice. And now you're in. And now Tampa. we're in the Tampa area. Yes. Me and my wife and my three kids. And uh, we're, we're loving it. We're loving the, the floor of the weather, especially during this time of the year. Yeah, right. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm staring out the window right now. I'm, in, I'm near Seattle. <laughs> it is not Tampa weather. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's beautiful over here. It's raining. Oh, windy. wow. <laughs> Just not, not great at all. But I'll uh, close my there eyes you and go. imagine. Uh, last one. If you had a superpower, any superpower. Uh, this is a this is a really interesting one. So I always think of in terms of athletics. And have you ever seen the uh, the Incredibles? Okay, oh, so yeah, so sure. the elastic power yeah. is unbelievable. The like girl, so, the, yeah. the, the, just imagine. So you man, let's just say baseball. I throw the ball, and then if anyone tries a home run, I can just gr- grab it. It's an out every single time. Like no one's going <laughs> to score off of me. And then as a, as a, as a basketball player, you just could just drop the ball. There's a quick elasticity, like <laughs> running, like just nonstop. So that's a, that's, that's a, that's, I've that's never a heard crazy that power. Elastic. <laughs> there you go. That's the power that you want. I've never heard that one. That's, that's a pretty unique one. Yeah. What way to, way to, way to represent. So usually people are like, oh, right, right. Not, that's, that, that's playing. another one. That's but my second. Elastic. <laughs> and you, and, and just, you started baseball in your three. Even your superpower is for baseball. <laughs> that's, that's how much this guy respects baseball. Superpowers is specifically for baseball. So speaking of baseball, right? So you've worked, how many years have you worked in? Since in the, uh, in the major leagues, uh, two exclusively in the major leagues, but in pro baseball since 2015. So I'm going to be six next year. Yeah. 2015. And was that with the Red, that Sox, was with the Red Sox, right? Nice. And, and then before, before that, you, is that, you I was with the military? Actually, right before that, I was two years with the IMG Academy. And then before that, two years with the, with the military. Nice. Awesome. And how, how, how did you get into the field? So like being a mental performance coach, right? I mean, like that's, I, I do the same thing. So I feel like I get it, but I feel like there's always this like massive explanation that we have to have of like, what do we do? So like on your day to day, what, what does that look like? As a mental performance coach, what do you do on a Yeah, so I basis? guess the, the foundational principle about what we do, and I'll actually speak for myself, my job is to help 
please lump me into whatever okay. you say. Yeah. I'm happy to be Essentially, lumped our into job it. is to help, or help performers, help the people who we work with to enhance their ability to make, a, make good decisions uh, through mental skills training. At the end of the day, it all comes down to helping people be better decision makers. Confidence is a decision. Arousal control or, or relaxation is a decision. Focus is a decision. And uh, that's really what it is. And th- so you do that through the use of one-on-one uh, co- uh, co- uh, conversations, group sessions, using technology, uh, uh, being uh, being able to integrate with and collaborate with other departments, um, sports science and nutrition. There's just so much involved. At the end of the day, it comes down to mm-hmm. how can I help uh, the people I work with be elite decision makers. Man, that is, I'm, I mean, 100% going to steal that. That is, that is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. That, that's on a nutshell, right? If you can help people make better decisions, that all originates up in their head. And if you can help them make more effective decisions, that's, that, that's yeah. our job. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so what, what would you say got you interested in the field, like before baseball, before, or before the, your job now, before the military? Yeah. What's, in, what, what, what got, yeah, what's, what's interesting in about life is it's just, it's, it's this constant unfolding, right? Like you just never, you just never know. And I think I would do, I would be lying if I looked back and I tried to connect. You can connect dots looking back. I think Steve Jobs said that yeah. you can do that. Yeah. But I, I didn't know this field existed. If you were to tell me a decade ago, this is what I was going to be doing. Um, I would have said like, what is that? That, does, that doesn't even exist. But as I look back, I'm yeah. just this collection. I, I've, I, I, there's a time where my son even called me a quitter because I had so many different jobs. I, I was a waiter. I was a baseball coach. I was a high school teacher. Um, I did a lot of different things. I was sports broadcasting. And I just essentially, I, I quit one thing and moved to the another. But we could, we could substitute that word quitting for pivoting. I became good at pivoting yeah. and taking the knowledge and, and the, the competencies that I developed in one domain and, and did just kind of lateral, like just went and made a lateral move and brought all those skills with me and made another lateral move, brought all those skills with me. And so, uh, yeah, after baseball, got my degree in broadcast journalism, wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And then I took all those knowledge, all that skill set and moved into teaching. And then I was a high school teacher and took that skill set and, and discovered that, hey, I can get a master's degree in sports psychology. And uh, I originally did that degree in order to be a better high school teacher. And then once I realized, oh, you can do this for a living, I quit my high school teaching job to pursue, open up my own entrepreneur, my own job as a mental performance coach. And then uh, from there, uh, wrote a couple of books and worked with people and then uh, did the military and then IMG Academy reached out, didn't know what that was. And then the, uh, then the Boston Red Sox came, an opportunity popped up, didn't know they were looking, but was grateful for the opportunity uh, to at least apply for that position. And then Cleveland Browns reached out and uh, then the Tampa Bay Rays reached out. And so I'm not saying that, oh, I'm just all these opportunities, doors open. There's, I'm, there's a lot of hardship, a lot of struggle, a lot of not knowing what I'm doing, even still some not knowing what I'm doing, but figuring it out along the way. And I think it's more of more of a, of an unfolding process than uh, a very specific um, uh, uh, set out plan on from A to B. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, a lot of people in the field would say the same thing, right? It's not 10 years ago. I don't even know if yeah. it existed. Um, if there was even degrees in it. So yeah, I like how you, uh, 
clearly you're one of the most optimistic people I've ever met. So the, the pivoting thing, right? Your son calls it quitting, <laughs> you call it pivoting. Um, that's such a Justin <laughs> thing to say. Um, what, what would you say is like, like, how did you know when it was time to pivot? Like, what was the indicator that it's like, okay, I need to. Yeah, a that's a really good question. I think that is, uh, I, I don't know is a short answer. Um, I think it comes down, it's, I think it's a combination of just intuition, that feeling you get uh, combined with, uh, combined with um, just kind of this, this, um, uh, I don't want to say discontent because I was never discontent anywhere. However, I think it's a combination of, of fear is a little bit in there. And then this desire, this perpetual desire to step into the unknown. I have this risk. I come from entrepreneur parents and when you come from entrepreneur parents, they have this entrepreneurs in general, they, they always tend to want to see what's on the outer edge of, 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 of certainty, stretching my circle of competence. And I think as I've, I've desired to stretch my circle of competence, I've tried to, I've, 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 collided with other industries. I've collided with new people. I've collided mm -hmm. with new opportunities and ways to look at the world and thought, hey, you know what? Why don't I go do this? Or why don't I go do that? So why don't I start a podcast? Why don't I write a book that I have no, no business writing? Why don't I put out, uh, do a podcast daily that, that I have no business doing? And I say no business because at the, I was, I struggle, I struggled, especially even when I was first starting, who am I to do this? Who am I to even dream about working with professional athletes? Who am I to write a book? Who am I to do these things without a PhD, without this, without that? And, um, I kind of have the, the personality to go headstrong into darkness, into uncertainty. And I think the best thing is I have a, a spouse who's willing to, to do that with me. And so I think it's a, a collection mm -hmm. of and a combination of all those different variables that made me willing to keep going, keep pushing, keep, uh, keep uh, iterating, keep evolving into the person I am today. And I still am in that pursuit and process right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I love how you blended in those role models that we tell, you mentioned earlier too, into those, because it's not just alone, right? You, you may have, you didn't make those decisions on your own. Those, those indicators you involved other people in those and you, yeah. you didn't do it alone. That's, that's awesome. I love that. So when you, when you think about, I mean, it, it sounds like there's this like level of trust and belief that you had in yourself. How, wh where did that come from? Where did you learn to just go into that darkness like i mean again it's probably not one specific thing but did that come from like your upbringing is that something that like your parents just instilled in you from a young uh, age where, where did that come from that just doing yeah that i mean as we learn as we learn i believe lewin's the researcher the researcher of behavior is a function of personality uh times environments and so if we break that break that mm -hmm. uh that algorithm down i think there's a little bit of everything i th i think i did grow up in the environment where i saw my father go from playing for the Dodgers uh, and then he was an actor on Gatorade commercials and with Eddie Murphy. And then he opened up a new business and then he, and then uh, that business went bankrupt and then, uh, and then he did another one. And then, uh, and then he's a baseball coach and my mom's a vice president of that company who didn't graduate college. And so I, I was raised and then they were professional musicians. So I was raised in a home where it's like, go for your dreams, Justin, you can do it. So my environment. I grew up in a growth mm -hmm. mindset environment. My parents literally told me, you can be whatever you want. Go do it. And basically, why not? Well, why not? 
and I saw yeah. them firsthand leaving proof of, of creating even financially just becoming multimillionaires with this mindset. Uh, just a little bit of hard work, a little bit of belief, a little bit of resilience and grit and all thrown into there. So that's my environment combined with my personality. I have a, I'm, uh, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't read any books. I didn't, I think that's why I like sports psychology because it's, it really normalized or labeled a lot of things that I was taught to do already at, whether it be uh, the, the Stockdale paradox and, and, and staring the brutal facts in the face, but having uh, faith that you could, that you could achieve anything you put your mind to uh, being, I think I'm situationally just wired to be situationally disagreeable. Um, I don't, how do I say this respectfully? Uh, I think the best, I don't put people on pedestals, uh, meaning that, I don't care if you have a degree from so-and-so. I don't care if you are rich and famous. I don't care if you're a hall of famer. I don't, uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to take a little bit of what you say and take a little bit of what you say. I, I don't fanboy over people or over theories. I'm going to take a little bit of here, take a little bit there and do what works best for me and my family. Um, I, and I think, I think I realize that no one really has any idea what they're talking about. Uh, and, and then I say that, uh, with tongue in cheek, meaning everyone's trying to figure it out. Yeah. No one person knows everything. Yeah. And so if everyone's trying to figure it out, why, why not me? Why not? I, I go and figure it out that no one has the way to do something. Everyone has a way to do something. And so, Hey, let me figure out my own way. And we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to figure it out. I am going to be wrong all the time. Um, I'm wrong about things right now, and I'm trying to figure what that is as well. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to embarrass myself. I'm willing to look like a fool. I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to people say, no, you're not doing it right. And I'm willing to say, hey, you know what? It might not be right for you, but it's right for me right now. And that might change in a year. And so I think combine all those things, I think that's kind of where is where it's at again. Again, the asterisk as well is, and I have a, 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 I have a wife who supports me with all of that. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah. biggest asterisk. That's the most important asterisk there is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, again, you, you yeah. didn't do any of this on your own. And uh, there was a, early on when I first was introduced to your podcast, um, Increase Your Impact, there was a, a moment where you were talking about this, almost this idea of like, if you work for a, little league team if you're the mental skills coach for a little league team be the great best mental skills coach you can be for that little league team and then if you play for a, if you're for a college team or a professional team like be the best for those people and doesn't matter who they are doesn't matter what they do just be your best in those situations and that like you've let go of that fear like a fear of failure that's a very powerful lesson that i think a lot of people can learn is just don't yeah. And, and I think for me, maybe maybe the way I view it um, is I, I think failure actually fuels me, too. I think failure is it's this coupling mm -hmm. is just kind of this dichotomy, this double edged sword where uh, being OK with failure and knowing you're going to fail. But at the same time, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail, but I know it's part of it. And so which keeps me sharp, which tries to which keeps me reading textbooks and digging into the literature and digging into the research so that I'm accurate. 
so that I'm precise, so that I'm not going rogue and just and just distilling information just straight out of thin air, uh, that I am in alignment with what is practice, with what is research and developed, but at the same time, knowing that, okay, I need to do what's, what's right for the people who are in front of me and, and the people who I'm working with myself. But I think also uh, there's a phrase in pro sports that says, like, dominate the level you're at dominate the level you're at. And, and I remember my first group I worked with were 10-year-old baseball players. And then I worked with a nine-year-old volleyball players. And I didn't really focus so much on, oh, wow, I'm not with the Red Sox or I'm not with the Olympians or I'm not with the elite performers. I, I, I was just so focused on how do I help this fourth grader just be more positive? How do I help this 10-year-old uh, uh, just work on a routine and slow the game down as his 10 year 10th grade or 10 year old. And so I think that's where, again, I, I, I messed up a lot. There was a lot I didn't do well, but I think that's where that was my primary focus because I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't have any clue what I was doing. It was, I was a beginner. I was really beginning. And so that's what I meant by try to, I just wanted to be the best I could for that 10 year old or that nine year old. And, and, and um, I, I try to adopt that, same philosophy the best I can uh, with, with who I work with today. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's, uh, let's maybe dive into that, who you work with today. I mean, I think there's a, there's so much that we can get into and you guys had, you clearly worked with the Tampa Bay Rays, right? One of the, I mean, the, I don't know, was that the best season they've had in yeah. a very long time? Um, was that the expect when, when the season started, right? There's this whole this, with COVID so much uncertainty what was the beginning of the season like as I mean, from your perspective as the mental performance coach from the players kind of perspective, right? What was the, it was a dumpster fire season like <laughs> from the beginning to the end. The entire season. And, and I, I, that might catch some listeners or some people by surprise because they're thinking I had a lot of people tell me, Oh, you're the American league East champions. You were two wins away from the world series. That was amazing. Yeah. And yeah, you won the pennant. Yeah, no, you won the pennant. I was a dumpster fire. fire from day one until the last day. And the, we, we, we were also victim or, or I guess if you can say victim or, but, but we were, we had the same struggles at a different intensity or a different way than everybody else. We were concerned about health. We were concerned uh, mm-hmm. uh, finances were, were, were in there. And again, so everything is relative, but, but family and, and, and roles, uh, routines changed. And, and um, the way we we're able to do things changed. And this, the roster structure was different. And because of, of, of all of the, the differences, it affected bodies differently. Uh, pitchers were getting injured at a high rate and it's going to affect the future. And there were no fans in the stands and uh, COVID protocols and masks and travel and, and being in the bubble and being away from family, like all of that absolute dumpster fire from day one until the very end. And I say that jokingly, uh, what I really, really, like, it required a tremendous amount of cognitive or psychological or mental flexibility. You had to be able to adapt mm-hmm. and to adjust. And uh, it was easier said than done. Easier said than done. Yeah. So what were some of those like, maybe not necessarily mental skills, but what were some of those conversations? Like what were some of the focuses that you had to try to help them with that mental 
pliability that like being able to, to that's yeah well i think well, it really started because it really depends on everybody right like a lot of times you get what's the most important mental skill and that's sure. hard to answer because it depends on depends on the person what the most important is and it depends on the time of the year and the time of your career but i think the thing that was really talked about a tremendous amount was uh was starting with awareness um and this awareness and this of, of your feelings awareness of your emotions awareness of how this is affecting you it's okay to be mad it's okay to be frustrated a lot of times you'll hear people say oh, you have to be positive. Hey, look at the bright side. And the reality is some people, especially you got to take into consideration the, 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 the population I'm with is these are elite alpha professional athletes. And uh, to tell them to, hey, just be positive. Like they don't want to hear that. Like these are grown adults. Like let them process, mm -hmm. let them go through yeah. and feel how they're going to feel. My job is not to tell people how to feel. My job isn't to tell people uh, what to think, but, uh, but to create some conversations to be able to understand how they're thinking. What is their process? Um, so I think number one is self-awareness. That was something that, okay, where are you thinking? Where are you at? Of your, what's your, what's your, your thoughts about yourself, the situation, what's going on? And I think another thing too is how quick can we develop new or establish new routines? Our old routines are gone. Now we can't have people, uh, a whole bunch of people in embedding cages. Now we can't uh, watch video like we used to watch. Now we can't do a lot of the things that we did to prepare physically and mentally for the game. Now what are you going to do? And so it's, it, was, it was establishing, creating new habits, uh, not just for the player, but even for the player's families. And so I think those are a couple of things, just a uh, low-hanging fruit right off the bat. Yeah, that makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? So not allowing them a space and a time to be able to think about those things and not only think about them, but almost like that metacognitive place of like thinking about what they're thinking about, just even providing them the the space and the time to do that. And then as well, like that, that yeah, and, to, and just the routine part of it. I'm going to say to your point, Google-able, a phrase is, uh, is providing, uh, providing even a pre-mortem a pre or or, uh, or contingency planning with them. I think those are, mm -hmm. those are uh, a subset tools, a pre-mortem for those who are not familiar with it. It's basically asking a person, okay, if, this, if your season was to be a failure, if you were to absolutely struggle this season, this is before the season even starts, what do you forecast being the causes of that? Oh, wow. Okay, and so now what you're doing, you're causing, you're priming their mind, you're causing the athlete or coach or parent or person you're working with to forecast potential obstacles, both internal and external, and then to have a plan for those things. And so we did a lot of that. Okay, we're not going to have fans. How are you going to plan for that? Okay, uh, this might happen. How are you going to plan for that? Okay, you're going to be in your room. You're going to go straight from the field to your room. Uh, to your hotel room. You can't go out. You can't go to bars. You can't go to restaurants. You can't see your family. You can't bring people to the games. How are you mentally going to be prepared for that or, or combat that or, or, or battle through that? And so there was a lot of that that went on as well. So you can prime their minds to activate uh, for those, the, the youngsters, the part of the brain that's more of the planning instead of the stress part of the brain. I love that. Yeah. I like, I like the idea of that. I think that's something that for, especially for a lot of, a lot of athletes heading into seasons now, right? 
almost that activity of like, if, if this, what, if, if this season was a yeah. failure, what, what caused it? And that almost, then you just do the inverse of that. Just do the opposite of those things. Or now you can actually plan for things that are actual realistic for you right. instead of just these right. random thoughts that you might have. I love that idea. I worry that that makes a lot of sense. Right. So, so then, so the season kicks off, right. And it was <laughs> the dumpster fire as you it continued, right. Um, an abbreviated season, what was the season like? I mean, you guys, I mean, the, I think the race led from, from, I mean, maybe the Yankees took them a little bit, but like, I think from like start to end, right. I mean, the Rays were first or second in the, in the AL East, but like they had a great, it wasn't like they were terrible. And then all of a sudden they got, yeah. Hot. Yeah. So yeah. With a lot of people right? under, like, well, even we just see it. If you go back and look at the Tampa Bay Rays for the past five seasons, I think they're one of the most winningest teams in all of major league baseball. I think, uh, I think it's Dodgers, Yankees, uh, Astros yeah. us or something like that, but people don't know that because it's such a slow, uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a small market team. But yeah, yeah. To, to what you said, it was uh, we came out hot right out of the gates, and um, yeah, I mean, it's I think that's a function of a lot of things. Number one being the players. It's uh, a lot of I, I think a lot of times people will attribute it to if you're talking to strength uh, to mental skills coaches oh it's the mental skills uh, they're mentally tough or if it's strength and conditioning oh it's their strength their mental strength oh it's the nutrition oh it's the sports science oh it's the coaching yeah. no it, it was some of all of those things it was all of those things but yeah yes it, was it was the yes, players it was the players who yeah, straight up played and they played outstanding yeah. and uh, tip of the hat, hats off to them for playing such great baseball from the beginning Yeah, and I think that, that, that's yes. the part, man. It's not just yes. players; it was players from top to bottom, right? Did you <laughs> no did you foresee did. Randy Rosarino yeah, no. being that good? <laughs> yeah, that's not. Could you see be, that? Uh... No one did, right? Okay, you're the mental <laughs> skills coach. I figured yeah, like, you might yeah, have some inside information. At an unprecedented, a historic <laughs> level that is uh, probably wow. won't be seen again in baseball. It was a video. We got to see a. Vi- <laughs> I had a front row seat to a video game. Uh, uh, series and so uh, I hope I hope he could sustain it, but uh, but just probably probabilistically and, yeah, and mathematically that's, that's just not uh, sustainable. Uh, but uh, but yes, it was <laughs> it was magical. That that's the word. It's amazing to watch. Yeah. So what, what what role do you think? I mean, I think one of the most common, like we talked about, some of the mental skills, right? I think confidence is one of the ones that I think a lot of. It's kind of a buzzword for a lot of people, right? What what role do you think confidence had in obviously you guys had a great season, but then the playoffs kick off. What role do you think confidence played in the rate like the fact of the regular season heading into the postseason? Were they a confidence? Yeah, confidence is a really uh it's play? a hot topic because uh because you go into the behavioral economics world or you go into R and D and and confidence is is in some fields doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Like confidence, uh it's fickle and it's true. Like yeah. we know that right. you can be feel confident going into exactly. something and yeah. do poorly. Uh, and then you could not feel confident going into something and do really well. And, um, and I think uh, confidence is, uh, but then you look at a lot of research studies and successful teams will say, we believed in ourselves. We were confident and, and, and cause while there's correlation between uh, confidence and success, it doesn't necessarily mean there's causation. Confidence doesn't cause success so yet. It could possibly be there, and so uh, to answer that question, I think, yeah, I think we were we were not necessarily confident confident in 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 the results, but we were confident in our process. We were confident in the things that we can control. We were confident that we have a front office, 
and they did the absolute best to put build the team uh, in in a way that is uh, built to uh, built to win in a season such as this, or even a long season for for that matter, uh, we were con the coaches were confident that they have had their process to be able to work the team in their different domains. I think the players were confident in their preparation to be successful, and so I think. Uh, when you talk about outcomes and confidence, we're confident in what we could control, but also uh, uh, knowing that once you're playing sports, you're playing against the best in the world, um, and you just don't know. At the end of the day, it comes down to who's the better team at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a definitely confidence in, uh, in what we can control. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, mean, I think that the control piece is the most significant part of that is a lot, a lot of times it's, if you know that if you have certainty, right, there's a difference between confidence and certainty. You can yeah. be confident in your game, but you can be certain in your preparation. And I think that it sounds like it was more of the certainty in the preparation and the, the, in, the, it, the inner workings of the team, than I'm confident that, you know, we're going to win this whole thing. Right. But, so heading into the season and, and during the playoffs, right. Did you guys have like, was it a goal to win the world series? Did they have anything focused? Like, yeah. Or is it just, just yeah, they, they, I think every kind of team, a bigger goal say, in mind? every team's kind of like underlying goal is to win the World Series. You you want to win, especially at the highest level, pro team. Like mm-hmm. you, you you're in it to win course, it. Like yeah. everyone wants to win the World Series. But I think uh, our coaching right. staff does a really good job. And Kevin Cash, like he he really essentially has two roles: like give your best and be a great teammate. Like really, that's it. Like give your best, be a great teammate. And when you're around. And again, the population are elite professionals. So these are guys who we never talk about motivation uh, because they don't lack motivation. They're competitive. They, they're, they're never, um, I don't, I'm not motivated yeah. to play today. It's like, nope, we're playing to win today. Or you can see that in the lower levels and amateur. It's like, yes, right. motivation is talked about all the time uh, when I work with young athletes. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, we, were, we wanted to win, uh, built to win, strive to win um every every pitch every inning every game and and at the professional major league level every game matters every single game matters and so uh yeah so yeah you that's it was um if you break it down to the first principles yeah win win this pitch and that's kind of the the mentality that the players had Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, this. They, yeah, I, mean, I think it's, it seemed like it was obviously everyone has that goal: it, win the World Series. Everyone starts zero and zero, but as as it kind of got closer, it it seems like it was more of the focus of doing those little things: this at bat, this game, not this like, oh well. You will, right, you will, and what I don't want to fall a victim to as well, and I want to, I want to, I want to account for survivorship bias, uh, which is basically all the books are written about champions. All the podcasts are, are wanted to have, but with interviews with the winners, with the champions yeah. and the survivorship buyers bias basically states that uh, our, our propensity to, to neglect or to overlook that teams that didn't win were probably doing the exact same things. I remember being when I was with the Red Sox and we didn't win. Yeah. We still wanted to win the world series. we still had a front office who wanted to build to win, but no one talked about it when we were in last place. When I was with the Cleveland Browns, it's like we did some great things over there. We were 0-16. We didn't win any games, but 
there were some things that you look in their front office like, oh, that's what the Patriots were doing. And so I I don't want to uh, now being at the yeah. upper echelon of it, that the high point of this uh, discount that the Indians were doing it too. And the Astros were doing it too. And, and the Red Sox or the White Sox are probably doing these things as well. Um, and we just happen to be just, again, again, a number of different variables. We made it to the World Series this time and uh, probably going to keep the same process. And we're not sure what, to, what next season looks like. And so I just wanted to put that caveat in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think going back to earlier, where we talked about like the like that fear of failure, eliminating that fear of failure, and almost this like every season is this like wild experiment of like what's going to happen, and everyone has the same variables, and the manipulation of some yeah. of those variables worked out in in your guys's favor, right? And there, there, so there's a moment I want to take you to real quick. So game four, World Series, right? So Brett Phillips is at bat. I was, I were was you, right. Were you there? I was in the dugout. Were you like at? Okay, so, so that moment, so there's a moment, so I, I was watching with my, with my oldest son, and there's a moment, so he hits it, and he's, uh, Randy scores, right, so this, the most, that was the most insane, like, <laughs> never seen, and nothing like that will ever happen again, that series of events will never happen again, from the, the missed ball to the to bad throw, anyways, it was crazy, so walk me through, like, what happened there? Like, what from your perspective? It like, what, was. What was the I, I'm like just that? smiling when you brought it up. And for those of you who haven't seen it, you guys got to go look it up. Like, go look up. <laughs> you just got to Google Game Dude, Four. Yeah, World Series, it, Brett like, Phillips, was... and it'll come up. When it happened, like I, I, I could tell. I mean, everyone saw it, but in the dugout. There was this excitement. There was this calming because everyone was watching. We did our homework. Right? We, you just know you're 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 doing it. You're looking at the lineup. You're like, Brett Phillips is, is up next. And you're looking at him on deck and you just see how calm he is. And I I mean, I've watched Brett, I brought I've watched Brett all season, and you just know, but he's particularly calm this at bat. And and I'll never forget Ryan Thompson, who is one of our, our great arms out of the bullpen. He just got done pitching that game and he's sitting next to me or he's standing next to me. And he's like, Brett's up. He goes, he goes, did you know that Brett Phillips was the player of the year in the Houston Astros? Cause they were together with the Houston Astros in the minor leagues. And he goes, this guy absolutely rakes. He is such a good hitter. He's mm-hmm. amazing. Right guy, right spot. You just watch right guy, right spot. This is the guy we want. And so he's up there, and I'm like, I'm like, you sure? You sure? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay, we're here. And then everyone's in it. And so, yeah, statistically yeah, so speaking, in that moment, he was not the right. Obviously, guy. I know that, but basically, just to kind of get like, just to increase his certainty in him, like we're all just trying to do positive vibes. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, great. Yeah. Brett Phillips, not that I didn't believe in it, but just try to <laughs> try to exude the certainty, pull this certainty out of him. And so we're all like, he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. And once he yeah. makes contact, we're going crazy. We tied this game up. And when Randy trips in front of us, we're like screaming because he's going to score. He falls. And then you feel like we just got punched in the stomach. The air goes out. And then he stands up on it. Yeah. He's, the, he stands yeah. up on the his feet. Coaster. The ball gets there away. And we go crazy. And he scores. And obviously, like, I black out. And we forget what ends up happening. But, uh. If you watch the dugout during that thing, you can see everything <laughs> I'm describing. Um, it's it's it was wild. It was one of the greatest experiences. Okay. Not to mention, er, about a week earlier, Brasso hits a home run off of uh, Aroldis Chapman against the Yankees to win to clinch it. And so it, we it was just a wild playoff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was so. There's a moment that I I literally rewound the game, and that, that whole play is incredible. But there's a moment during the I think it was on Fox or whatever it was. But there's a moment where the camera like panned out, and it just shows Brett. He's like almost like halfway into left field with his <laughs> arms out, like he's flying like an airplane, and it was just the most pure kid moment. Hey everybody, we're going to take just a short break from today's episode to tell you about one of our amazing podcast sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Chris T's Organic Blends. Now, if you're trying to make some positive health and wellness changes in your life, you know that what you eat and what you drink is incredibly important to pay attention to. So let Chris T's Organic Blends help you with the what you drink part. Now, Chris T's Organic Blends is a 100% organic tea company. What they've done is combined Eastern medicine and herbs with American herbs and created some fascinating blends of tea. Some of the flavors like advanced immunity, de-stress, sunset, sunrise, vitality, detox, balance, allergy. These are actual, they're not just flavors like you'd find at a store like raspberry and peach. This tea has purpose. This tea helps you be healthier. So it's very rare that you find products that are good for you and actually taste good. Well, you found one. Christie's Organic Blends taste delicious. I've been drinking it for over a month now. I drink the Advanced Immunity Tea every single day. It, I, I know it's good for me, but it also just tastes so good. So go to christies.org to grab a bag. 10 bucks for a bag of tea is incredible for, for the value that you're getting. So go to christies.org, K-R-I-S-T-E-A-S.org. Check out her products and also some of her tea accessories. Fantastic company, family-owned company for over 10 years. Hope that you'll go check it out, christtees.org, and enjoy a cup of tea with me. Now let's get back to the episode. But anyway, so uh, so, the, the, so there was that moment, right? So he's in the, he's like just dancing around like a kid. Yeah, is that like that? That to me is like just pure, just joy, right? Oh, absolutely. So you guys experience that pure joy of just and and if you haven't seen it, watch the tape again. But like, go to the part where he's just like, you just see him just flying like a little kid in the outfit. Yeah, was, everyone's chasing him, and he's just flying around like a kid. It it was so fun to watch. It was so so fun to watch, and uh, yeah, and to be a part of and the experience, and yeah, pure joy. That's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, and, and clearly, obviously, hindsight 2020, right? It doesn't, the ball didn't bounce the way, right? That, I mean, obviously, the season ended not exactly the way y'all wanted, but what was the, obviously, it was an incredible season, incredible run, but just to kind of to take a general kind of view of this, right, and looking at maybe not achieving the goal that you had or, or, or just losing or, or essentially failing, right? What, what advice would you give after a loss like that, after like you blood, sweat and tears for who knows how many months, right? What's it like afterwards? Yeah, it, w- it was terrible. Um, it, it's kind of like the further you go, the harder it is, like the more pain yeah. you feel. And it's uh, we got eliminated in the wild card, which was painful last season. And that was painful. It's even worse to get eliminated and knocked out in the World Series when you're two yeah. wins away from winning at all so it was extremely extremely difficult and so anyone who's going through a loss i think the thing that we all did is you 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 feel it you embrace it you 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 learn you you feel every ounce of it because you you matter so much 
And I think at, at the major league level, again, so there's a, there's a caveat to this. We, Justin Turner got COVID. And so in the middle of the game, I don't mm-hmm. know if you knew that. And so he yeah. got COVID. Oh, yeah, that so, came out like a couple of days later. Yeah, that was, yeah. yeah so that he, was... had, he got COVID. We all knew about it. And so the protocols were different. We didn't get to say goodbye to each other. Uh, we had to go get tested. And then we flew back home the next day. Into, mm-hmm. like, it, was, it, was a, it was like, so we didn't even get a, a oh. good goodbye. And so there was no talking. There was no, uh, there was no closure. There was no, and so now it's being done. It's kind of via text message or over phone or if we're talking to mm-hmm. each other. But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, basically it's, it's it's taken a late and it's it's very simple really it's what did we do well uh what were the great that what were the good moments what did we do well what are we going to do better all right let's come back and be better next season like really that's all you have time for because there's a the sun's gonna rise we're okay the dodgers are the champions good the clean slate 2021 let's go and so that's really that's really what it is we don't have a a, a long process or this model that we go through. We, we just kind of look in the mirror individually. We look at a department. Okay. What can we, what did we do? Well, what can we improve? All right. Yeah. There's still room for improvement. Um, even though we were that successful. All right, let's, uh, let's tighten it up and, and, and take our shot again next season. And so, uh, but I think part of it is it's okay to feel pain. It, you, sh- you will feel pain and, and you will have tears and you will have heartache and, and you will have, uh, the pundits and the experts questioning things and this and that, you should have done this. You should have done that. You're going to have the armchair expert saying, ah, oh, you should have been mentally prepared or, Oh, you should have been your, your nutrition should have been dead better. Like we're already beating up on ourselves harder than anybody else. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, it, it was hard. It's painful, but Hey, that's a sport. We signed, we signed up for that. The moment we decided to take this occupation and to go after our dreams, we signed up for the hard road. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's this, there's a Kobe Bryant said, said something that was amazing when they were playing the Celtics one year and they were down, like they they were down like three two or whatever, and he told they that everyone was just so upset and distraught in the locker room, and he told them, guys, if I told you at the beginning of the season we have to win two games to win to win an NBA championship, would you take that? Two games in a row, and all, and it just changes the perspective, yep. right? And I think what you're describing is kind of that same thing, right? Clearly, like it it hurts, and then obviously the circumstances of that is just. I, I mean, I, I didn't know that it was that you couldn't even like be in the locker room together and have like that moment together no. of closure and like unity and just be like, Hey, we, we gave everything we got and like, let's move on. Right. That even, that makes it even more difficult, but I, I love that. I mean, it's just very, it's, it's simple, right? It's just simple of like what worked, figure out what, what you need to do to move on to next year. And the faster you can kind of go through that process more effectively, the, the better off you're going to be. Right. Exactly. And uh, there's a great example. I mean, like the, uh, I don't know if you remember the Kansas city Royals a couple of years ago, it's probably been like, you know, eight or eight or nine years from now when, when the giants beat them and then they came back the next year and it was almost like inevitable that they were going to win it and they ended up winning it. And uh, that idea of like the, one of the things I remember them talking about was, you know, we, we didn't earn anything. Like it's a brand new season. We all started at zero and zero that we were just more prepared because of that loss. Right. And it, it forced them to prepare even more. And I mean, I hope, and, and hopefully this next year, right. It's a new season, new season right. starts. Right. That preparation starts as soon as you walk out of that dugout and like, that's what you're preparing for. Exactly. And the difference between the Royals and us is just roster construction and, and money. Uh, they have a lot more money than we do, and uh, and, and just a, and so we, we we might have a completely different team next season. But but right. but 
um, the core should be a lot. I mean, we're not going to have a completely new team, but, but to your sure. point is like, yeah, the guys who did have a chance to go to the world series this year and play for that, like there's going to be another little, uh, extra fire under their bellies. And there's going to yeah. be a lot of new players to our team who, Hey, get ready. Like we have this, this, uh, this, this standard of excellence and we just went there. Hey, let's, uh, let's do it again. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest like diamonds that people can learn in those lost situations is like, focus on what worked that that's what got you there like it wasn't an accident that like the rays got there right they did you guys did so many effective things to get there and those things are you can replicate those things right so that's i love that yeah so i want to i want to ask you one unbaseball related question and then we'll kind of wrap things up if that's okay so you have three kids and from from my understanding from from what you've kind of shared on social media one is so your son is he does he like is he a music producer? Like he makes a lot of music. Yes, right? he produces music. Correct. He produces music, and then your other daughter is she was in a. I know she was in a movie with the. So Rock. our youngest is an actor, and our middle child, I mean, she does a lot of stuff. But uh, yeah, she she loves to cook, and uh, but yeah, they all have their kind of their things. They got their little niche, right? Yeah. So they're all kind of doing their own thing, right? So, and clearly, like what you talked about earlier, right, with the role models, like your parents and stuff, instilling that, like you can do anything, right? It sounds like that that didn't skip a generation. You're doing the same thing with your kids. So you, you were on the receiving end of that parenting and now you're the one giving the parenting. Can you share like some, this might, this is a very selfish question. I've got three kids too. So this is more of a selfish question for me, but what are some of the things that you've seen that have worked as far as parenting goes to be able to help raise kids like that in today's world? Because we, we grew up in a very different era. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, how, how does that work now? You're kind of taking the same parenting that your parents gave you and this instilling this into them. But I, I, what wor- what's worked? I will, I will, I think I feel way more comfortable telling you what doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, What doesn't work? And, and, no, I, I, I am I mean, taking dude, so I, many notes. I, right when now. I struggle, I, I, I think selfishly or just kind of like, I... I am not the best parent. And I think it's always hard answering like parent parental like stuff just because again, I'm going to keep it contextual to my own family, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's always, I'm always hesitant to share because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like we're just figuring, we got, they're all teenagers now and they're going through those teenage times and they're fighting and they're angry. And I mean, they're, I mean, just like every teenagers, like just teenagers. And so, uh, but, uh, but I think something that we try to do, like we try to do, um, is number one is, is talk about is, is normalized failure. Like they know all about my failures, all about them, like all everything. And not just failures in my profession, but failures as a dad. Like I will literally gather my kids together and say, I, I'm, I say, so, I try to say sorry or apologize sincerely as much as I possibly can, because I struggle. Like I, dad didn't do that right. Right. I set a bad example there. Hey, did you see how impatient I was? That is not, do not do that. So did you see how disrespectful, uh, uh, or, or, or not I was to your mom? Really? Yeah. You can even use that example. Hey, you see how I snapped yeah, yeah. at your mom. That is not the, how a dad or a husband should be like constant, always like always doing that. Um, I just think they're older teenagers now. And I remember being a teenager myself. I'm like, like you're just adults. So you, I'm not adults, but you notice things and you're like, no, that's not right. Um, so I try to at least highlight all of my failures and let them know that that's, Hey, that's, that's not right. And even catching my own, calling my own, uh, that trash. Um, I think that's number one. Number two, I, I think, again, I'm just making these up out of air. Like I'm numbering them. Like I have this, this number, I this, the, I don't, it might end right, at number yeah. two. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. I think another thing that I, we try to do is the question that 
people ask kids or kids like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And, and my wife and I don't ask that our kids that question. Our question is, what do you want to be right now? And, and mm. my daughter's like, I want to be an actor right now. Okay, great. And so we got her acting classes. We, we, we watered her, watered her ambition with that. And lo and behold, she was in a movie and now she provides a living for herself. She acts in commercials and movies and she has her, she has a career now. Like she's, she's a career woman, like at 12 years old, yeah. uh, my son, it's like, Oh, I don't want to be a, mu- a, a, TV, a music producer. When I grow up, I want to be a music producer now. Okay. Then be elite, like train, practice, work on it, pour in his ambition. And, um, and, um, and he's working with, um, I, I, I won't say who it is uh, publicly, but he's working with someone who, everybody in this world knows right now and it's like it is uh, and it's just he's making money he has now he has a career doing it as a, as a ninth grader mm-hmm. um and he is he does it so our daughter and so for us it's it's i didn't want to force them to be i only know athletics i didn't want to force jerem my son to be in in baseball i didn't want to force my kids to be in this mm-hmm. it's like hey they're in the arts they're in the dancing they're in the acting stuff i never did but um i think that's it so letting them know how bad of a dad I am and apologizing and then just and supporting and watering their ambitions. Hey, what do you want to be right now? Um, and not being bogged down by uh, just like the, just this is what you have to do. This is what you should do. And so I don't know. I think that's, that's kind of what we're, that's kind of what we're doing so far. Makes a lot of sense, man. That's uh, yeah. I like that a lot. I like the idea of, you know, just acknowledging your faults and, highlighting the things that you know it's almost just like a, a self-correction in a way too for you yeah you, know, you identify i did maybe didn't do this that well and you're kind of doing it vocally with them and probably recruiting them to help you probably not do it again right yeah and uh that's awesome i love that and i love that question too what, what do you want to be right now and then you as the parent helping facilitate and water that ambition i love that yeah. thanks Excellent, man. That's awesome. Thank you. You're, yeah, you're, you're a great, you're, you're one of the role models I look up to. I, I can't thank you enough for this, man. It's been a awesome conversation. I, I appreciate your candidness and just your, your, your expertise in, in obviously mental performance, but just as a human being, you're one of the great human beings out there. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, man. I can't thank you enough. And, uh, can you share some of the things that you're, you're kind of doing now? I know it's obviously the off season with, uh, I'm sure you guys are doing work in the off season, but What's your life like nowadays? A lot of family time, which is perfect. They earned it. Yes. And so uh, with that, yes, we're doing, we're kind of, December is a time, hey, let the, we just, especially since we just come off the World Series and I was go, go, go. Now it's, hey, we have some off season until we pick back up, whenever we pick back up. But everything's Zoom calls and text messages or, but for the most part, it's just uh, play as much ultimate Frisbee and basketball and see my daughter's auditions and listen to my son's music and eat my other daughter's uh, 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 secret recipes that she's creating and just spend time with go on dates with my wife. That's kind of, that's all I'm that's doing. Awesome, man. Yeah. I have, I have a friend that works for, uh, for another baseball team and his wife said that, that the 60 game season, that was the, she's like, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> they should do that every year. Yeah, I bet. Like a third I bet. of the years. Yeah. So they love it. I'm sure your kids love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. My family yeah, probably awesome. felt it opposite. Uh, they were like, bring back the other season. Because, <laughs> Man, you guys should play more. Yeah. Good thing you guys made we it played, that far. Yeah, we played. And then I just never saw them. I was, yeah, it was just, it was just, uh, it was more depth in the conversations outside. It was, uh, it was kind of opposite for us. And they're like, oh, bring back the regular season. And so it's, 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 it's funny how <laughs> contextual it is. Yeah. 
that's funny yeah yeah that's great that's i'm sure i'm, I'm sure i'm sure that's not necessarily true. i'm sure they love they, they, they love yeah. all, man. um awesome man justin thank you man i appreciate it um so all of your the social media right everything's in yes Sua. everything's there how can people find you to tell them about the podcast and uh, just uh, some of the other ways Yeah, just uh, have a podcast. You get it's, a, it's on the link on any of my bios, but it's a, it's a, I say it's a podcast for people who don't have time to listen to podcasts. It's just short, two yeah. to four minutes every every weekday and uh, try to provide something. And it's a, it's a, nothing flashy, nothing special, uh, no cool camera or uh, what you call it, microphones. And it's a, I stumble over mm-hmm. my words. I mess up quite a bit, but it's, uh, I try to provide something useful for people. It is extremely useful. Yeah. So that podcast increase your impact uh, every single day. I mean, it's right to the point. I mean, I, I remember some from you were at, at an airport recording <laughs> some episodes. I could hear it in the background. It was, it was awesome. It was so genuine and just real though. It's great. Thanks, it's awesome. Thanks. So yeah, go check out the podcast. There's two, uh, uh, 1,300 episodes are you guys at? Yeah, yeah. No, who's counting? So, so you've got, I mean, there's so much content on there and just go check out the podcast. Go follow Justin. Um, again, man, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank I appreciate you. it, bro. Thank you. I really appreciate your kind words and thanks for having me on the, on your show.